0: I'm committed. I'm committed. All right. That don't bother me.
1: Ah, yes, OGP, the one Giant Podcast back in action on a Friday preview going out as we look ahead to the Washington football team end of the season, but but I'm one of your co-hosts, Adam Armbrecht, and over there, do you remember can you even see him through the tan that is glistening in the Florida sun? The, the sunshine of summer warming his bones. Andy Mackowitz, healthy, wealthy, and certainly wise, enjoying a little bit of time down south.
0: Adam, it's exciting to be you know having roots in the ground now in, in Florida for the next month, hanging out here with the family. Um, I will say 16 hours in a car with a two-year-old, don't really recommend it to anyone. Um, but the juice is worth the squeeze because now I'm in flip-flops for the next month, and it's 75, 80 degrees here in Florida. Um, Adam, fun little fact, tw- about a 20 to 30-mile stretch of I-95 closed down around D.C. and Virginia um, over the snowstorms, and I was ahead of it by about 12 hours. So I, could you imagine how that would have just completely derailed the plans? But we, we got pretty lucky on that one.
1: Andy McElwitz sitting in dead stop traffic, wondering if there's enough food and water for the family, the dog and the baby I'm committed could have been what escaped his lips. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, man. Cause I saw Virginia, like I was seeing it in Virginia and whatever, but yeah, good. You made it. Uh, good good news. Good news is I was, I was very concerned about everyone's safety because I, I checked in immediately to make sure that you guys were okay.
0: Oh yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. You're like, so I forgot you were down there, but, uh, you know what? To, to be honest with you, it is really nice. You know, I, I'm getting texts from all friends and family back up north, and they're like, "Man, it's 26 degrees here right now." I'm like, "Oof! I just had to put on the second coat of, of uh, suntan lotion just to make sure I don't get burned by the pool."
1: I'm going to say sidebar, too, because uh, you guys are having some fun already, seeing the sites, et cetera. And I know I know what kids want because I recommended a very specific animal for for little baby Rory. I, I, I call him baby Rory. I mean, he's basically an adult at this point. But I uh, I, I think that giraffes, that's the answer, guys. If you have kids and you, ha- and you have the means, buy a giraffe. I'm not saying that Andy has purchased one. I'm just saying there's certainly opportunities out there.
0: We, we purchased the rights to see one at the safari so that, that, that <laughs> happened but uh let, let me tell you 10 minutes of seeing giraffes you know my, my two-year-old is basically still talking about giraffes the, a, a day later so highly recommend the safari for all, all the all the little toddlers that you got out there
1: there you go listen we will uh of course hear more as the off season begins about the adventures down in Florida for the Makowitz family but in the meantime there's a season finale coming up for the New York football Giants. I'll call it a merciful end to what has been just an epic 2021-2022 season for the New York football Giants. They're taking on the Washington Admirals, soon to be. Talked about it last episode speculation around the name, but in the most Washington organization type of mentality, they couldn't keep the secret all the way until the beginning of February when they were set to announce it. How does the name strike you, man? Is the Admirals, because I got to be honest with you, these these nautically themed or you know the brigade was another one getting thrown out there i mean it's a these names are total zeros to me i'm going to put it to you that way they they this does nothing for me and it doesn't matter it's washington but the washington admirals just sounds like a real zero
0: yeah i don't i don't really understand it i mean there was there was a lot of momentum around the washington monuments because like that seems to make sense or like maybe just comp- go in a completely different direction and like, not try to like thinly veil it around Washington DC. Like, like e- you either got to lean in and, and like make yourself the president. So the monuments or something like DC related, or you have to just go completely off the reservation, like Detroit lions, right? Like the lion, like there's no, a- Lions
1: in in the in, outside of Detroit, right? So well, the pro- the problem is okay, because again, and we'll get this very quickly here. But like, if you were the Washington monuments, I understand the connection. Also, it's an inanimate object. Like the idea of being a sports team is supposed to invoke, like you say, if you're going to be something, well, the Lions, you know, even the the Giants, right? You're this big imposing figure, allegedly, not recently, not over the last decade. But it's just I have a hard time with these names, and one of the other ones, the last things I mentioned, um. They said like the Red Wolves was on was on the board there for them at one point, but they came out and said, "Ah, you know, with the trademarking, there was going to be issues and whatever." If you're a franchise, an NFL franchise, with what these things are worth, and you have a name that you want, I think you should go pay. Go splurge, just splurge a little guys and get the name you want instead of announcing like, ah, we were thinking about it, but the price point was a little high, hard to get the rights to the website. Like there cannot be a price tag that it's too expensive to go and do what you want to do. But hey, welcome to the uh, NFC East two times a year. Like you
0: said, like you said, Washington football team dysfunction with their ownership group. It is nice. Like. After all that the Giant fans have been through so far this season and even the last few seasons, the last decade almost, um, it's nice to see another division rival just be an absolute mess from even something as simple as picking the name to all the allegations of like this is trying to kill Jalen hurts with the railing. Yeah. It's a whole I thing. Mean, it's, it's crazy. The, the, they got the, it going
1: on. Let me a uh, quick footnote here as well, because we're going to talk about this preview in the matchup. It's the final game of the season. Obviously I, I think, you know, it's your last look at some young players for the giants. That's, that's probably the only thing you're really focused on. We're not going to learn anything new in the last game of the season here. Limited practices, for guys like Kadarius Toney. So maybe he gets back out there for one last game. That would be nice to see. Uh, Other guys like Dexter Lawrence, uh, you know, COVID ramp up, he's getting listed with as well as a pectorial. So I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see him for the final game of the year. But everybody else, you know, you'll look at some of these young players. I mentioned Jalen Smith this last episode. Also, Ellerson Smith has been getting some reps now. So keep your eyes open for them, obviously. And we'll, we'll talk about the betting line here. But the other thing, last episode, Andy, I went through it was a bit of a bonus content, just talking about organizational stability, Ben Roethlisberger's career winding down, et cetera. And I went back off of that and we, we we talked about Kevin Zeitler. I went all the way back and looked at the Justin Pugh decision following his rookie contract. Remember, a first round pick for the Giants. You end up not bringing him back. He signs a five year, $44 million deal. It's the year prior to dumping $37.5 million into Golden Tape. And it's worth noting here that just uh, this morning, it was announced that Charles Leno Jr. for the Washington football team just signed a contract extension. It's going to be a three-year, $37.5 million extension to keep him there with the Washington football team. And you may be wondering, who's Charles Leno and what does it matter? He has played over a 1,000 reps this year, played to a 79.9 PFF grade, So he's been solid, played to a 74.6 the year prior. And going all the way back to 2019, that was a down year for him. So last two years has been consistent. He plays alongside a guy that I mentioned last episode, Eric Flowers, who's been at least actually a serviceable offensive lineman in spite of how his career started. And I bring him up because guess when this guy was drafted? Didn't come in through the Washington football team. But take a guess what round, Andy, that Charles Lennon was drafted.
0: Oh, I mean, you're talking about like almost 10 years ago at this point. So 2014, I'm going yep. to go with undrafted.
1: You know what? You might as well have been. Seventh round, 246th uh, selection overall. And so I just bring it up to say, spending a lot of money, Giants. You know, you like to throw around those dollars. Even an organization that we like to make fun of and all their ineptitude, all, all that good stuff. They went out and brought in a veteran. Looks pretty good. And you know what they chose to do after he had a really strong season? Bring him back. Spend some money on him. Not haggle over a couple million and then ultimately cut him and take on a dead cap hit and let him go play for Baltimore. Any hoodles. Well, I just the, thought.
0: The, the interesting thing is he's 30 years old, right? And so he's been around the league, but he's he's been a, a serviceable offensive lineman. The Bears released him, right? And yep. at, at 30 years old, he has a cap hit this year of $3.9 million. They basically signed him for a million and a half bucks with a 2 million dollar signing bonus and said we we're, we're going to try this out for one year let's see if we like it. He's played amazing. He's played over 99% of the snaps at left tackle. He's been durable, he's been consistent. Yep. And and it's crazy to think that, you know, they the Washington football team has to trade Trent Williams because he just doesn't want to play there anymore. And they're like, "Oh my goodness, like all world you know, offensive tackle, what are we going to do?" They actually make a really smart signing in the offseason for under $4 million. Basically, how much we're paying Nate Solder to be on the roster this year. And you can see exactly what's happening. It's it's frustrating to see other teams make these types of moves. Imagine the Giants had Leno for three or four million at right tackle this year and then could sign him to a, you know, three year, $10 million a year extension. How nice would that be?
1: Exactly right. The opportunities, the decision making process. So I just, you know, it couldn't have been more, more timely to see that extension happen there. Because originally, what I was going to pull up as a part of this, too, was just taking a look over at Washington and letting people know, hey, Who are guys that you may want to take a look at in this last game of the season that are going to be free agents? By the way, Brendan Sheriff, who's going to be 30 years old, going on 31 in next year, he's going to be a free agent and his market value is going to be a little bit north of 10 million. And it's one of these things, you know, now when we think about the Giants going into this rebuild, but how are you going to stem the tide? You, everyone would anticipate that Will Hernandez is going to be gone. Do you maybe get in on a veteran guard just to have stability across the offensive line? And then in one or two years, depending on what the contract looks like, draft somebody, prepare for the future, right? Try to have some level of consistency. There's a number of players that you could look at over on Washington uh, that could be potential options, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a veteran quarterback who's going to be 40 years old and Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off of an injury. But they've got veteran-wide receivers like Cam Sims. You can look inside the backfield, by the way, J.D. McKissick, who's been a nice little off the, you know, for Gibson, a little off speed, off tempo kind of guy, pass catcher out of the backfield. Could he be someone that you'd like to have alongside your backfield tandem? Maybe with uh, Devonte Booker, if the Giants moved off of Saquon Barkley, like these are all the guys that you can get some reasonable price tags for in the off season, including a guy like Ricky Seals Jones, the tight end, right? So there's a number of opportunities here. To look at these players and say, are any of these guys worth getting a value purchase in the offseason? Should they be let go or moved on from by Washington?
0: Yeah, and, and that's important, Adam, because you know at this time of year, most people will say, all right, well, we're going to start all of our young stud players and see what they got, right? And at this point, I don't know. The, the cupboard's pretty bare. Like, There's no one that's on the bench that we're looking at being like, that person needs to get reps. Everyone was clamoring for Isaiah Wilson. He's not even on the practice squad anymore. He's gone because he fell. He was so bored he fell asleep in meetings. Right, so he's he's out. He's done. And so we need to be. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's true. Um. So wait, would you say that Isaiah Wilson was not committed? Is that what you would say, Adam? Or yeah, well,
1: they can't. They brought. They called him in and they asked, "Hey, do you want to be here?" I'm committed. They said, "I'm not so sure about that."
0: Yeah, exactly. And and so the idea behind the Washington football team is, you know, there are going to be some free agents. The Giants are not going to be huge spenders. They have three million dollars in cap space right now in the offseason. They're going to have to look for some of these bargain, you know, discount type yep. players. They're yep. not going to be at the top of the market. I'd be shocked if they're in the Brandon Scherf sweepstakes, knowing that he's probably going to get 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year because he's been. A very consistent guard in in this league, and so when you think about the Giants having the sixth or seventh least amount, I think it's the sixth least cap space in all of the NFL. You're going to have to look at these mid-tier guys, the two to three million dollar guys that you can get value out of. McKissick is a good one in the backfield, depending on what what, what the running back room looks like. You know, you don't think Evan Ingram's going to be here. You don't think Kyle, you know you think Kyle Rudolph's going to be a cap casualty. So someone like. Uh, You know, Seals is is a a perfectly good example of guys the Giants should be looking at and and maybe taking an evaluation at.
1: Yeah, it's something where, you know, his market value for uh, Seals Jones is in like that three to four million dollar range, whereas a guy like Evan Ingram is getting listed 17th best tight end in the league, mind you. Um, he's getting listed around six to seven million, and closer to seven than six. So you know that again, these are big differences of three or four million a year spending on a player that you're going to look to bring back, or maybe go to free agency. So th- th- these are the kind of guys that you want the Giants to be looking at and considering. You know, going into this season, off season, excuse me, Nate Solder, Austin Johnson, Billy Price, Evan Ingram, Bill Peppers, Will Hernandez. Most of these guys that you're listing here, you know, Nate Ebner, Danny Sheldon, Reggie Ragland, who. By and large, you know, just a, a little footnote on him. He doesn't grade out well on PFF, but he's not supposed to be a guy that you want to have, you know, heavy reps on. He's supposed to be a contributor. So when you have some of these injuries, that really impacts you. But all the guys that I'm listing, man, there's not a single one of them that I care. Jabril Peppers, I think, just unfortunately is is a matter of circumstance, right, with the emergence of of Xavier McKinney. But none of these guys are guys. Go, like, oh boy. I hate to lose, I hate to lose one of them. What I'd like to have Austin Johnson back, of course, but he's going to be 27, 28 years old. I would have preferred you kept Alvin Tomlinson in the first place. So, you know, there's no one on this list that you go, oh boy, if we lose him to free agency and that tells you a little bit about the state of this team, the only player that I'll point out that I pointed out all year. And I mentioned it, I think last episode as well. And that's Lorenzo Carter. Be very curious to see what his price point is and where the market value is because he's come on strong. At the back end of this season, you haven't had everybody within that linebacking core. You know you've added Aziz Ojolari. I would like to have him back. But again, it probably falls into the same category of an Evan Ingram in the sense of, well, if Ingram is worth seven and you can get another serviceable tight end for four, you're going with the serviceable tight end. If Lorenzo Carter is closer to eight or nine and you can get a serviceable player at six, that's the way that you're going to need to go because of the state of the cap situation for the New York football giants.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality that the giants live in right now is that w- the cap hasn't been managed very well. And, and of course there's always ways to create more cap space. There's always guys that we can release. There's always restructuring. You know, you, you look at, at different guys like James Bradbury and, and his big number. You might be able to get that down. You, you talked about Saquon Barkley at 8 million. You could get that down. The Giants can free up probably like 30 something million dollars worth of cap space pretty quickly. But again, you can't, you know, if Lorenzo Carter is going to make eight to 10 million dollars on the open market per year, you can't, you can't invest that all in Lorenzo, Lorenzo Carter, or a third of your budget. There's so many other areas the Giants need to address. But, but to, but to even further that, it almost, reinforces the reason why the giants need to go offensive line heavy in the draft, because we just don't have the money to go out and spend it on a Brandon Scherf. We have to use draft capital because we just don't have the money to do, to do anything else to address the offensive line,
1: and don't forget, you always want to keep eight to ten million available for moves you have to make during the year. So if the, the instantly could free up thirty million, yeah, but a third of that is going to be earmarked for moves you're going to need to make. Now you're down to twenty, etc. So through the draft is going to be the best option. I don't want to retread the the, the last episode, but I want to get just your quick thoughts here because we, we we've talked about everything kind of coming down the pike here. Uh, sidebar. It's been rumored that the uh, Manning brothers have been building all of their capital up. They didn't take any uh, friendly contracts on teams over the course of their career because they're building towards purchasing an NFL team. Um, the rumor is Denver, you know, with the ties there, they'd like to buy maybe the Broncos, but maybe they just buy the Giants. You know what I mean? Like he's got such a good relationship, couldn't they? You know what I mean? Couldn't they just go in the door and say, "Hey, Johnny, Johnny M," as his close personal friends refer to him? Why don't you talk the Manning boys? Take the helm here. Why don't you let them get involved here? Maybe just buy in as a partner to start. Wouldn't you like to have Peyton and Eli calling the shots, and maybe a little, maybe a little Papa Papa Manning there, just overseeing some player personnel options?
0: I mean, th- th- it wouldn't it be nice to have something different, a different voice, different audience? That's having it. the Manning yeah. brothers would be great. I mean, the big issue is the Giants are currently worth four point eight five billion dollars as of last year. They're one of the most expensive. Get the couch cushion, fellas. Come on. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta circle around some of the other wealthy, rich friends to be able to 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 put down the bigger, chunky down payment, right?
1: Big question: Would you sell the giraffe if it would help move the needle on the Manning's getting the Giants?
0: I mean, if it means that we're getting a full overhaul, giraffe's got to go. You know, right. I'm sorry Because listen, in the
1: in the short term, Rory's going to be upset, but in the big picture, he'll as he gets older, going to be very excited to be a part owner of the New York Football Giants. The the real question that I wanted to get to was everything is trickling down here. Mayor has been terrible. We know that Gentleman's going to be gone. Often, the coordinator, there, players are bad, all this stuff, right? All, all, all this effect. But the one thing that I mentioned that I wanted to just get your take I know, Judge, jo- Joe Judge, it feels like things are going off the rails for him now, too. But we had said about the time that he was brought in that as he started his head coaching career, you would think he was becoming a bigger voice in the room, personnel-wise. And I just quickly, all of the drafts, uh, I went all the way back to Jerry Reese on the last episode and highlighted the first-round picks and how bad they've been. But last this past draft, Kadarius Toney, Ojalari Aaron Robinson, Ellerson Smith, Gary Brightwell, Radarius Williams, a couple of injuries in there, but everybody shy of Gary Brightwell, a late-round pick, has been a solid selection and looks like they're going to be good for this team, assuming they all get healthy. And the year prior, Thomas McKinney, Matt Pert looks like a miss. Darnay Holmes, Shane Lemieux come back healthy. Special teams contributors in Brown and Coughlin, and then even Tate Crowder's played a lot of reps, but hasn't graded out fantastic. The last two drafts have been good. Is there any world where you give Joe Judge that that longer leash if we if we agree? That he's been a bigger proponent of who you've brought in these last two years, and the drafts have looked more successful. The hit rates have been better for the Giants. If we can attribute some of that to Joe, Joe Judge, then we can look at him maybe in more of that you know, architect of the team as opposed to solely from what the results have been on the field.
0: That's it's impossible to separate things the way that you have. I like how you tried to do that, where you're like, Uh, "Hey, uh. things look good." He's done this, but to be honest with you, Adam, I don't think it's possible because because even if I mean, we're trying to figure out how much credit we're giving Joe Judge. Okay, so you're giving him credit for the talent, but you're not giving him credit like. So you're saying he had no involvement in Kenny Galladay signing an eighteen million dollar a year deal? Are you saying Gettleman was like Joe? I'll let you be in the draft room; you can pick those players. But when it comes to free agents, that's my bag. Like you can't separate the two the way that sure. that some people would want to. So all of these free agent signings have to be like if you're if you're going to give him credit for some of those, you got to give him credit for spending on Kyle Rudolph. You have to give yeah. him credit for getting rid of Kevin Zeitler. You have to give him credit for bringing in Kenny Galladay. Like. So it's been such a mixed bag. You know, talent evaluation, it's tough because there are different people in the building for those jobs and those roles. So we can't just say, oh, we're going to give him kudos on those pieces. But the fact that Giants are 4-12, and are in cap hell, and have made terrible free agent signings, that has nothing to do with Joe Judge himself.
1: Well, given all the indications that Joe Judge is going to be back next year, I'm just trying to find a silver lining. So do what you will with that. I'm not sure if I'm fully committed to it. And by the way, all this stuff, as I said, and we said, once this season ends in a few days, we're going to turn that table over, run through the roster, evaluate everybody. Who do we want back? Who don't we want back? What are the price points going to be? The free agents, the draft, all of these things. We're really going to try to gear it up as we hit the offseason. But before we do, it's the matchup with WFT soon to be. Aka the Admirals, the Giants um, are at home, and they find themselves getting seven points with an over/under of thirty-seven and a half in this one. Man, uh, you know, again, here's Washington, a team that wanted a veteran quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick. He gets hurt. They turn back to Heineke, who showed a little flash last year. They've dealt with issues of their own, and yet. They've been a competitive football team all season long. They've been in games. They had opportunities going back to that matchup with the Eagles just a couple weeks ago could have turned the tides and been fighting for a wild card spot. What do you see when you look across to that organization? Because at the start of this year, I think that we very much all felt the Giants were right in the mix to be the second best team in this division. And now it feels clearer than ever that they are as deep in the basement as they possibly could be. And it's not like the talent for Philadelphia, the talent for Washington is so much higher than the New York football giants, which is what cuts the legs out from underneath this idea that Joe judge uh, is doing things well.
0: (laughs) Well, the hardest part for me about all this, look, the Washington football team had an awesome defense last year, the reason why they're not successful sure. is their defense regressed significantly this year. They weren't getting pressure. They had a ton of injuries that they've dealt with. Now every team deals with injuries. You know some some are bigger than others. The problem is Washington's still competitive. Like Ron Rivera has them playing hard, has them in games, has them winning games they probably shouldn't. And like they went into the the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, he gets hurt, and Taylor Heineke comes in and ha- throws 20 touchdowns with 15 interceptions, is thrown for 3,500 yards, has yep. been serviceable, right? So, like, mm-hmm. when we talk about these injuries, Daniel Jones goes down. The Giants can't score a touchdown. Like, they they literally have scored one touchdown in the last, like, 25 possessions. It, they weren't which, scoring
1: much even when they had Daniel Jones.
0: Well, well, exactly. I mean, Daniel Jones was averaging about 17 and a half, 18 points a game when he was in mm-hmm. there. Now, all of a sudden, we've moved, which, which is not great. But now we've moved over to the Mike Glenn and Jake from era, and and we can't crack double digits. So yeah. it it's re, it's really tough. And you, you just look over at, at Washington, and this is what frustrates Giants fans. It's like even with them getting decimated with injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and even with them struggling on offense, they still have won more games than the Giants. They still look like they can put up points with someone like Tara Heineke, who's their backup quarterback. It, it makes Giant fans frustrated. Like. How is it so bad? How has it gotten so bad on offense for us, where like scoring one touchdown in a game is successful?
1: Yeah, but yeah, and, and to your point, they've been competitive in spite of losing Chase Young. And you talk about the defense now; they, the defense was struggling even when he was there. But he goes down. He's obviously the crown jewel of the defensive side of the ball. They lose their starting quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. They lose Schweitzer, one of their offensive linemen. They lose Logan Thomas, their starting tight end. They lose. JD McKissick, who's supposed to be a rotational piece in their offense. They lose Landon Collins who's the starting safety on this team. They lose a center. They lose uh they lost they lost Jones for a little bit there that the backup tight end at one point. They've also lost Kozmi who's their starting rookie offensive tackle. He goes down. They also didn't have Curtis Samuel, their free agent wide receiver signing. So it's like and then you can look at any team in the NFL and see this and I think this is the piece where no matter what even when we talk about all the injuries for the Giants and the offensive line and what could have been. No, it's not a what could have been because if you tell me that Daniel Jones was 100% healthy and played all year long, and if you told me that Nick Gates didn't get injured and they didn't lose Shane Lemieux, would it have been better? Yes. But does this? do I sit there and go, ah, and they could have six wins right now going for seven or seven wins going for eight. It could have been eight and nine teams. No, it couldn't have been, honestly. It couldn't have been because you every team deals with this and the good teams or the teams that have the right baseline they find a way to tread water right the the giants should have won seven games this year with all of these injuries if they were a well-run team who understood how to manufacture some success these injuries just expose the fact of how far away they are and where all of these holes really still exist across the roster
0: well, the other thing, and I'm going to take a step back to comments that were made during the week by Joe Judge saying like, look, we, we had to tear it down from the studs to get the culture back. And he, and he takes a subtle shot at the Washington football team and says, you don't see us, our players, punching each other on the sidelines, you know, and, and basically referring to the incident that the Washington football team had, uh, you know, right. when they got destroyed by the Cowboys. And, and I kind of sat there and, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, maybe we should have guys getting angry on the sidelines. like. That goes to show that they're not happy about losing games. They're fired up. Those guys have known each other for years. They're like, it's brothers arguing. And and to me, it just seems like, hey, we don't have guys, you know, punching each other, pushing each other on the sideline. It's like, well, maybe we need that fire because the Washington football team has won more games than the Giants. They have scored. They scored 30 points against this giant defense. The Giants have not scored 30 points in years. And so like, to me, it just seems like a a really strange place to be as a Giant fan. Like you said, the the big two free agent acquisitions for the Washington football team were Ryan Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel. And Samuel has like, you know, 10 catches and Ryan Fitzpatrick played a quarter of a game and they still managed to be competitive throughout all of this. So it's frustrating to see. It's tough. I'm glad that that this is the last game of the season so that we don't have to continue to do some kind of charade about like wh- who we're looking at or what's going on. And we can finally start focusing on the off season and what needs to change before game one of next year.
1: Yeah. You better believe it. And it does go back to, I had mentioned the James Bradbury comments where basically, you know, you take every opportunity you can, you try to make plays, you, you know, do whatever you can. And I think to your point, a little bit of separating right from hey, the defensive unit is doing everything that, uh, everything that we can. We're trying to get better on a game-to-game basis, and we're almost ignoring what's happening on the offensive side. Every time we go out there, we say, hey, how do we have a good defensive series? And we don't worry about what's happening offensively. And, and to your point, listen, I don't like when you see infighting within a team, but especially on the offensive side, and it's, it's hard with all the injuries, But but who's trying to fire things up, right? Who's trying to make it happen? You know, Saquon Barkley runs for 100 yards for the first time all year against Chicago, and you want to be happy about it. But then you also kind of sit there and go, yeah, but did Chicago care that he was running for 4.3 yards, 4.5 yards per carry? Or was he just kind of counting down the clock in a lot of ways that the Giants defensive players were counting down the clock until this thing was over? So it's been that kind of season. It's been that kind of frustration. And Joe Judge in that regard, boy is that that that's a bad look and there was a lot of moments in that press conference but sitting here and throwing shade at a team that again up until a week or two ago legitimately was still in the conversation to possibly be going to the playoffs they had opportunities there to win some games didn't work out for them but there's no world where you look at washington right now they're six and ten but again two weeks ago Anything was possible. They could have got a couple of big wins and at least been in the conversation. And if they win this game on Sunday, as we'll get into our selections game picks here, um, if they win this game, being a seven win team with everything that they dealt with, again, this is exactly what you would have wanted the Giants to do. Go seven and 10 with everything you dealt with. That's how you come out of the season feeling positive. Being a four win team makes you feel like you're so much further away. That being the case, man, how do you want to close out the season? You want to go bold? Giants make a big statement at home. Let the fans know that Jake Fromm is the future franchise quarterback here as he gets another crack as a starting QB. Ooh, where's your gut, Andy? Tell me. From Florida, you know? Where's the wind blowing you?
0: So it's it may be embarrassing to even say this, but honest debate. what is okay. more li- What is more likely for the Giants in this game? Is it okay. that the offense can score two touchdowns or the offense scores zero points?
1: Oh, they're closer to zero than two. Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, like, we saw what happened with Jake Fromm when he was out there before. He got benched back from Mike Glennon after everyone was like, oh, we've seen enough of Mike Glennon. Apparently not. We had to go back to him. Um, honestly, Adam, it, it's, the, it's the end of the season. I don't want the Giants to do anything crazy. Why don't we just, like, kneel the ball down or run it a couple times into the line and go punt it again? Like, we, we don't, we don't <laughs> want to... Wanna... Sorry, sorry, just by the way,
1: closer to 14 or zero, their last three games combined, they scored 19 points.
0: Yeah. Well, ex- exactly. It's like, <laughs> and, you
1: me, know, and we want to get the 14 in a single game.
0: Golly. Well, I said 20 to six was my prediction against, against Chicago. We scored three and they scored a little bit more than that because of some safeties mm-hmm. and some other things, but it's like, that's the, that's the world that the giants are living in. As we close the season out, it's, will they score a touchdown or not? And you know, how close and how competitive can they keep it with Jake Fromm? I, you know I haven't been sold on him. I didn't know what Giants fans were going to expect. I saw exactly what I would expect. Uh, you know, uh, an under uh, – a mediocre to below average arm uh, on a guy that's been here for two weeks on a team that has a very porous offensive line. Uh, I'd sure. be shocked if the Giants score a touchdown in this game. You know, uh, maybe there's some trick plays. Maybe there's some things to be had just to, like, have some fun or, or try to get Kenny Galladay a touchdown. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to go – 17 6 Washington football team, similar to what I thought would happen in the Chicago game. I think the Taylor Heineke can can put up points and I think the Giants can't score them. It's gonna be a, a really tough sledding to be able to even get a touchdown in this game, Adam.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because the Washington football team comes in averaging just under twenty points a game. The Giants had hovered around seventeen-ish with some fluffy, you know, pictures along the way. So it, you know, on the one hand, you could say, "Oh, just have, they'll both hit their averages, and the Giants will lose twenty to seventeen, right?" <laughs> like, just hit your marks, and it'll be a close game. But as we've seen over the last few weeks, this is usually will give them give them one more score and take obviously at least a touchdown away from where the Giants have been. And I think that that's probably more where you find yourself, you know. I actually think that Washington can put up points. Like I think that they can score again because the defense ends up out there so long. The offense is so inept. The curious thing for me is if we're talking about things to watch for, you know, too little too late from a, from a play calling standpoint, but you saw some wildcat with Saquon Barkley last week. It just, you know, Hey, this is what we're committed to. If you get Kadarius Tony back this week, you're going to see him get used in the wildcat too. You're going to see him throw some passes. I let's, let's do this before we go over under. If, if you have Kadarius Tony out there on the field uh, in this game on Sunday, over under four pass attempts for Kadarius Toney.
0: Uh, uh, under. I'm hoping for the under. I don't want the Giants to do anything crazy. I don't want Kadarius Tony to, like, shatter his arm or tear his knee up in the meaningless game trying to do some crazy pass plays. Like, just get out of this game with no debilitating Achilles or ACL tears for any of the players, you know. We want the giants to have a top five draft pick. Let's all quietly go into the offseason and hopefully rebuild this team from the start so, starting on Monday. I mean, it's so you just well. want,
1: you just want, you just want it to be, you want it to be like the Chicago game. You want them just to hand the ball up. And by the way, you mentioned young guys, you'd actually prefer it regardless of how you feel about Saquon Barkley in his future. You'd rather it be Gary Brightwell. 30 carries. You want 30 carries for Gary Brightwell, seven pass attempts for Jacob Fromm. That's it. You just want to, you want to just bleed this clock out and be done. If you could, you would just as soon have the giants walk out and say, we lose. Thanks so much. We'll see you next year.
0: Imagine Saquon runs in this meaningless game and he tears his Achilles or he hurts his knee. Then all the conversations about trading him in the off season, then all the conversations about what we've got. Then we go into a whole off season of an $8 million running back. With a torn, you know, second torn ACL coming into the final year of his deal, that would be a mess. Like, imagine Kenny Galladay, you know, has a huge, you know, debilitating injury. What are we supposed to do with him in the offseason? There's no benefit. And the better the team plays, the worse our draft capital and our assets end up becoming. Like, there's no upside to beating the Washington football team in this game. I want everyone to just chill out, play the game as is, and let the chips fall where they may no crazy trick plays where all of a sudden like Kadarius Tony's getting blindsided and now he's out for the start of next season.
1: Yeah. You know, with some guys like him, I I agree with you with other players like Kenny Galladay. There's just little sense of, which by the way, I think Leonard Williams won the Ernie Accorsi good guy of the year for the New York football giants. Kenny Galladay was up there on that list. It's a, you know, an award amongst the giants team. But there's some of these guys where I'm like, man, maybe you do need to. And I guess you're right. Cause it's Jake from, you know, like, what is he going to do? How's, how's Kenny Galladay going to show something? I don't know. Maybe you're right, but it's such a fine line. You had a bad season. The coaches have been bad. Some of the players have been bad. So you get rewarded by taking off the last game of the year. Like, you know, whatever, if any fans show up to this game that are Giants fans at home, it's like, you've got to give them something, but you're probably right. 17, 16 is my prediction, by the way, New York football giants victory. It's so riding it, riding it down the line here. I think it's week four, four consecutive weeks calling for a 17 to 16 win. It's completely legitimate. It means everything in the world. Uh, we'll come back in. We're, we're going to listen. We'll, we'll break this down. We'll dive more into the offseason. Obviously, I could go on with jokes galore here and, and, and really drag out this conversation, but. Uh, You can follow us on social media, as we say. You can follow us on YouTube, where we're going to be dialing it up. Again, a lot of content is going to be kicking off here as we try to rejuvenate our dedication to the New York football Giants with the optimism and hope of what could be going into next year. And before Andy gets us out of here, might I leave you with this. Being a New York football Giants fan may go ahead and fill you with a little bit of a sense of we know what's next when you reach the bottom like this. What do you do now? Well, your heart is free now. Have the courage to follow it. That's Malcolm Wallace. That's Braveheart. Follow your heart. New York football Giants fans, even if it leads you to the Washington Admirals. We'll still be here. We'll still be following the team. And as Andy Makowitz wants, needs
0: and nay demands the people know. As always, let's go big blue. <laughs> back.